We're in the midst of a series on the Word of God, and we're going to continue in that today. Uh, Last week, we talked about how God's Word accomplishes what it sets forth to do and without fail. We talked about how God's Word is more powerful, more effective, more enduring, uh, more long-lasting, more significant than our words. We talked about the power of those words. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to take it a little bit different perspective and talk about how we can respond to those words and how we can position ourselves to be, to be ready to hear, respond, and, and, and endure in Christ. And so we're looking at Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. I'm going to ask you to please stand with me for the reading of Scripture. If you haven't been here in a few weeks, we've been, this is a new thing that we're, we're doing just to give special reverence to the Word of God um, and so that we can make sure that we understand that it stands apart from the rest of the sermon. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who has built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. This was God. This is God's word to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, open our ears to hear. Still our hearts so that we can um, discern what it is that you're, you're speaking to us and open our minds to receive from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you seated. Oh, y'all got it on your own that time. That's good. That's good. The last two weeks, it was kind of like waiting to see if we were done yet. So culture is forming. This is exciting. The Bible doesn't speak in a vacuum. Uh, every time a prophet speaks, every time the word of God was, was spoken and then recorded, it was, it, was, it was written, spoken, shared to, proclaimed to, demonstrated to a, a group of people in a specific context at a specific time. And, and that brings great encouragement to me because it wasn't just drawn up in a, in a, in a classroom of sorts. I'm in a, I'm in a class. Miata Jones is a part of that class at, at Wheaton. And we've spent the last couple of weeks talking about what the gospel is and just talking about what it is. And, and what you can do is you can get into a world where all you're doing is defining and redefining and moving words around and playing with semantics. If you're not careful, it can become a very intellectual exercise that departs from your life and departs from actual practical application. But the word of God isn't that. And so we shouldn't, appro- we shouldn't approach it just that way, just intellectually. We shouldn't just approach it as, as something that is theoretical or something that is an idea. It's something that is a, it's, it's a reality. And when we read the Word of God, we're, we're stepping into a reality. And so if, if, you're, if you're facing real-life challenges, real-life problems, if you're up against um, real-life difficulties... The Word of God is a great and safe place to go because it's the thing. It is the source of life and strength, encouragement, and sustenance that that we need in order to endure through difficult times. And so if anybody in here is maybe going through a difficult time, or maybe you uh, are are coming out of a difficult time, 
uh, this, this should be encouraging to you. If you're not, if you're like, eh, no, no, life's pretty good. It's pretty comfortable for me right now. Then you're probably going to go into a difficult time, <laughs> right? There are three kinds of people in the world. Those in a hard time, those going into a hard time, and those just leaving a hard time. And so, um, so Jesus uses this example of a house to talk to them about the importance, not just of hearing what he's saying, but hearing what he's saying and putting it into practice. It's not just putting it into practice later at a later ambiguous time, but hearing it and stepping into action as quickly as possible with the things that he's speaking. Now, when he speaks of hearing, uh, the word hear here means H-E-A-R-H-E-R-E, hear, hear. The word hear used here in this location, (laughs) I confused myself. Uh, it speaks about hearing, but also it's more more active than that. More than the the audio, more than recognizing that sound is occurring, it's listening. It's listening, and he uses this example of a house because everything that we, we in our lives we are constructing something. You're building something right now. You're building everything up to and including your life is a building of sorts. And every brick is an experience. Every brick is a decision. Uh, you know, the mortar, you could argue, the relationships that you have. But you're, you're building a house. You're building something. You're building something in your job. You're building something in your, in your relationships, in your friendships. You're building something in your community. You're building something in your home. You're, you're building your life. And God's like, hey, let me just, let me just tell you that it's going to be really important that you put proper, that you put it on a proper place so that when difficult times come, you don't just get washed away. Uh, before we jump into this, I want, to, um, I want to say that I believe that God's calling us to inspect ourselves so that we can make sure that we're on a proper foundation. God's calling us to inspect ourselves because I believe he wants us to be a people who are positioned to hear when he speaks. He wants us to be postured to obey his word when we hear what he speaks. And then we need to be prepared to endure when the storm comes. And before we get started, I want to jump into something. I'm kind of a communication geek. And I want to to walk you through basic communication theory. And so if you could put up that first slide for uh, for the communication theory. This is the Shannon Weaver model. It's one of the most widely adopted communication theories. And um, in And, you know, they call it a theory because I don't know why they don't call it a law. It's just kind of how communication works. But um, it's it's widely adopted mostly because of its simplicity. What we have in communication is a sender and a receiver. And the sender is sending a message to the receiver. So the clicker is not going to work. So I'll just tell you when to, what, or did it work twice? The sender is sending a message to the receiver through a channel of communication. Pretty simple so far, right? Basic. It gets a little more complicated, but not too much so. The sender encodes the message, sends it through a channel. The message is decoded on the other side by the receiver to understand what that message is. So if you're using like a telephone, the sender talks into a telephone. It goes through the cable. The other telephone decodes it, and then the receiver is able to hear and understand. You tracking? There's a problem with communication. There's a threat to our communication being clear, and that threat is noise. So the sender encodes a message and noise gets in the way and it jacks up our ability to decode and to receive, decode and understand the message. 
Now, when we talk about noise, uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. So here's the thing about the noise. God, his encoded means, and his word are unfailing and perfect and true. So we know that a problem in miscommunication with God isn't on the left side of this chart. (laughs) You with me? You tracking? The problems that we face are the noise in our life. It's the noise in our ability to decode. It's the noise in our soul. It's the, it's the turbulence of our stuff. So some of, these, some of the noise that we face, are, it's strongholds, bondages, addictions, depression, fear, insecurity. It includes that our ears are full. It includes stress. It includes uh, a, a resistance to the silence that's necessary to be able to hear from God and receive from him. I talked last week about our dopamine addictions. I mentioned that, you know, ESPN and all the, every network builds their, builds their shows to keep us on their show. And so they need to keep us stimulated because stimulation and novelty release dopamine. And that keeps us excited and interested. And so, so sometimes in our, in our pursuit of stimulation, we, we numb out the kind of the boredom that's necessary to be able to process and to think and to be able to receive from God. A little bit of boredom in your life is a really good thing. Uh, I, somebody was talking to me earlier this week. They said, I'm in an elevator, and I know I'm going to be in it for 30 seconds, but as soon as that door closes, I reach for my phone. I'm just going a floor, but it's just still, and it's quiet, and it's unnerving, isn't it? Blaise Pascal, he's a mathematician philosopher a bunch of years ago said that uh, most of man's problems stem from an inability to sit in a room quietly by himself. He was in like the 1500s. And so it's like, what, did, what was there to really do or to be distracted by Blaze that was really that big a deal, right? Like he couldn't have fathomed a world where we could get access to whatever information in the world we want from our phones. We can watch movies from our phone. We can create movies on our phone. And so he couldn't even fathom that. So how much more unwilling to sit quietly are we to be able to silence the noise in our hearts and minds? Stress, I'd say distraction, all of these things get in the way and they make it, they make it difficult for us to be able to receive God's perfectly encoded, perfectly communicated message. And so we go on that God, God encodes his message in creation through parables, through testimonies and through your changed lives. He, the channel of communication is through Jesus, his Holy Spirit, through his church. He's got a message that he's declaring in and through every single one of us that he desires to share in and through every single one of us. And then, and then it, it needs to get decoded through spiritual discernment, through intellect, through conscience. But if the noise of culture is too loud, we'll never be able to listen, discern, understand, wrestle with the things that we know are coming at us. Nothing numbs my conscience like my iPhone. Nothing in the world does it like my phone because there are 8,000 options on my phone to numb myself of a, of a, of a, conscience that's that's been 
pricked. You're like, oh, I don't, I don't want to feel bad. I'm just going to check my messages. I don't want to feel bad. I'm just going to go check on Facebook. <laughs> I posted on Facebook the other day. I, I was on Facebook. I was bored with Facebook, so I closed the window, and then I opened a new window, and I went to Facebook. <laughs> Expecting stimulation. And I was like, well, that was dumb. But we can get so addicted to stimulation and so addicted to newness that, that we're, we're unwilling to, to be still enough to practice spiritual discernment, to wrestle with the messages that we're hearing, to wrestle with, am I, am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? You know, I could take that time and think, you know, how can I be as creative in my parenting as I am in my job? I could take, I could take that time and say, hey, I wonder how I can teach my son's eight, you know, soccer team how to pass the ball better. But I'd rather numb it just reading about news. Uh, oh, oh, you got a shortcut. You got to see it. At the same time that we're receiving a message, we're also sending messages back. So even now as I'm speaking, there's, there's message coming back to me. And, and some of you are, are easy to tell if you're tracking. Some of you are very difficult to tell. And some of you are napping. <laughs> There's communication coming back. <laughs> There's communication coming back to me that, that helps me to know if you're tracking with me, if you're understanding, or, or, or if what I'm saying is just on another page and we're, we're, in different, we're in different worlds. I feel like we're tracking this morning. We're doing all right. You're a little bit quiet, but we're good, maybe because it's kind of schooly today. But we're always providing feedback. And the feedback can be positive or negative. It can be disappointment or anger or frustration. It could be positive feedback. Now, when we understand the message. So what we have is God sending a message through his word that's going to be decoded by through their spiritual discernment and, and understood through reflection and through teaching and through community and by relationship. What should be happening in our soul is that our response to God is to go and do the things that he said to do. So you can go to the next slide. And we see that it, the proper response is an obedience. In order for this to work well, for God's encoded message to get to us, to be understood and obeyed, there are some things that we need to do. And that's what we're going to look at. The first question I want to ask is, are you positioned to hear? Are you in a place where you're going to be able to receive the message that God intends for you to be able to receive? Because we know the problem isn't on the left side of the chart. We know the problem could only be on the right side. So are you well positioned to be able to receive God's word? As he's speaking it. Now, yeah, I, I understand position in, in several different ways. There's a, a disposition of our heart. Are you, are you humble to be able to receive God's word, however it is that he wants to send it to you, through whatever channel he wants to give you this communication? I've received some enormous deposits from God from ungodly people. God has used ungodly people to teach me things about his kingdom and his purpose in my heart and my intent. But if we're not, listen, if we're not positioned correctly in our hearts and our minds, we'll just think that people are, are haters. They're coming at us. 
Are you willing to walk humbly enough to be able to receive from God no matter which channel he chooses to communicate his word to you? Maybe it's somebody of an ethnicity that, that you're not, uh, that you don't prefer. Maybe it's somebody with an education level that's lower than yours. For some of us, the problem's just the opposite. We don't want to receive from really smart people perceived. Are we willing and ready to receive from God, to hunger for his word enough so that no matter how it comes, when it comes, we're eager and anxious to receive it? There's this uh, video I saw, of course, on YouTube of, of uh, Chinese Christians receiving their, their first Bibles. I mean, there's a pallet of Bibles and, and they were ripping the plastic off this pallet and they were picking it up and they were smelling it and they were weeping. Because to that point, they shared Bibles and they shared pages of a Bible and they'd pass it around and, and you'd study it for a little while and then you'd share it with somebody else and you'd spend a whole lot of time on a little bit and they, were, they finally had their own copy of the Bible and they were weeping because they were so hungry for God's word. They were positioned and ready to receive from God. Have you ever met an eager learner? It's just eager to learn. And, and maybe I, what I've noticed about eager learners is that they will ask questions of people who know less than them. Have, have you seen this happen? It's incredible to watch eager learners go, hey, I, you've got something for me. And I, I just, let's talk. When I ask you questions, how do you think about this? How do you feel about that? And it's like, you're the one who knows. Why are, you at, why are you asking me? I saw it happen with other people this last summer where, where I saw some people take the position of student who were, who were leading things far beyond the, the organizations that were led by the people who were teaching in terms of scope and influence. And it was just like, it's, am- it's amazing to watch that kind of humility. Our position to hear also has to do with the people that we're around and the places that we are. The people that you're around have the ability to affirm, confirm, and move forward what God is communicating to you or to thwart it. They can just cut it off. They can squelch it out and press it down. Create all sorts of noise with distracting messages and different different ideas that aren't valuable. The people that we put ourselves with will help, will help move us forward or, or drag us back in the places that we go. By being here on a Sunday morning, you're in a right place. You're in a right place here Sunday morning to be able to receive from God, not just because of worship and because there's a, the word being spoken from the front and preached from the front and the public reading of scripture and a breaking down of the passage and a challenge and hopefully an encouragement to pursue God, not just because of that, but because of what can happen in the hallway before the service and what can happen in the hallway after the service. And because, because you're here this morning, you could plug into a small group and you can get connected to people outside of Sunday morning so that God can t- continue the work that he started here on Sunday morning throughout the week. The places that you go will enforce or thwart the, the word of God and the advancement of the word of God in your heart, your mind, and your soul. And it's not just the places that we go in our physical life. It's also the places that we go in our internet life. What are the things that you're reading and you're giving your time and your attention to? 
What are the things that you're just interested in? Right? We've all got interests that we read about and we can go 18 stories deep. The, uh, the creators of, of MTV, the, the leader of MTV in the, in the 90s when MTV was exploding the way it was, was being interviewed. And they said, how do you know what people want so that you can, so that you can continue to be successful? He said, oh, we don't wait for people to tell us what they want. We tell them what to want. And then we give it to them because we've already got it. How much more is that true now with big data and every click is watched? Every click is watched. You search for D-cell batteries and it's going to show up in every single Google advertising banner, uh, you know, for the rest of your life until you search for something else. They're capturing the things that you're interested in and then, and then trying to sell you their version, their version of it. I heard a story early on in all of this as they were trying to figure out what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. Uh, diapers showed up. Diapers and formula showed up at this house because a daughter was doing research on whether or not she was pregnant. Insane, huh? But like, where are you going in your life? That's really what I'm talking about. That's just like how much information they all have about us. That's kind of scary. Whatever, that, whatever. Stay in the light, you're good. But even in the light, there's things that you can do that aren't beneficial to you. Even in the light and in beneficial and in productive places, you can find yourself drawn away from God and you can find yourself addicted to that stimulation and just chasing after, chasing after, chasing after, chasing after and really missing what it is that God wants to deposit to you. You can be distracted even by good things. Are you postured to obey? Two people heard God's voice. Two people were in the right place to be able to hear. They were with the right people to be able to hear. Their priorities were such that they were, they were in the right time to be able to hear. They, they, were doing, they were doing well to be in the right place. One responded by hearing the words and simply moving on. Maybe it was boredom. The wrong boredom. Kind of like, eh, I've heard that. I haven't died so far. It hasn't happened yet. So-and-so gets away with it. So-and-so does that and they're prospering in their business. Why should I? Why can't I? They do that and well, that's not fair. Sometimes it's that sometimes it's that we're scared. We're scared to do what God says. We're we're scared that it's going to put us out in isolation and it's going to put us out away from everyone else. I'll tell you what. Walking with God will put you out by yourself even from other believers. Not not in like a weird creepy way, right? Like like we'll tell you if you're getting weird. All right? I'll I'll warn you. I'll be like, "Now that's that's weird." But there is a place that's not quite weird, but it is distinct and different where God brings you out to, where he's going to call you to do things that he's not calling the person next to you to do just because he's got something that he wants to share with you that's distinct and unique to you. 
Some people he calls to wake up early and to pray. I thank God he hasn't called me to that yet. There's too much noise in my, in my tiredness so far in my life. I, he hasn't done that yet, but he's called some of you. And then those of you that are called to that, you're like, oh, I'm praying that God's going to wake you up in the middle of the night with dreams. No. <laughs> Pray, gives it to me in the shower. That's a nice, pleasant place for me. I'm relaxed. It's good. Maybe while I'm eating, just you having some nachos. Speak to me, Lord, while I eat my nachos. That'd be really good. So if you want to pray for me, pray in that direction, please. But one heard that he was, he was hearing with casual religious obligation. Just Sunday morning, going to go to church. Going to hear the word. I hear the sound of it. I, I even sang the words that were on the screen. Maybe even participated in the offering. I drank the juice. <laughs> it's a good year. <laughs> it was a wine sampling. It's a real small one. The other heard with a heart to obey. And to put these into action. That's what God's calling us to. He's calling us to an anticipation of the message coming. So it's God, I'll I'll receive your message no matter how it comes. I'll take it from a three-year-old. I'll take your message from an 80-year-old. I'll take your message from the clerk at at the gas station. I'll take your message from the radio. I'll take your message however it is that you want to give it to me. I'll take the message. I'll receive it. And then, God, after I hear your message, I want to do it. Now, there are a couple different examples of disposition that we have in the Bible. There's the idea, there's the Isaiah 8 approach to it, where he's like, here I am, Lord, send me, without even knowing what the obligation was going to be on the back end. That's the one that we want to hear with. But oftentimes what we hear, what we listen with is in Exodus 4, Moses kind of, please, Lord, send someone else. Right? We need to listen with the God. I'll do what you tell me to do, no matter what you tell me to do, even if I don't like it or I don't want to. My heart will catch up. Some of the greatest treasures I've received in the kingdom are because I said yes out of obedience before I felt anything. It's like, I, I, you know, have you ever waited for God to give you the emotions to make the decision? That's not the way it's supposed to work. There's a gentleman in our, uh, in our, in our congregation. He gave his life to Christ several weeks ago. And um, it, we were, I was sharing the gospel with him. I was like, bro, it's time. Are you ready to surrender? He goes, I know I'm supposed to, but I don't feel anything. And he's like, I'm going to do it anyway. And he prayed a prayer and he surrendered his life to Christ. And as soon as he said, amen, God dropped a word on my heart for him. God dropped a word on my heart, and so I, I started sharing it with him, and it gave him insight and perspective to his whole life. Questions that have kept him up at night, things that have bothered him, things that have troubled him, questions that he had while we were sitting at breakfast. And he's like, he, 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 it, it, it hit him then emotionally. And it hit him deeply, and he goes, he goes, I didn't feel anything while I was praying, but when you did whatever that was, He goes, I felt something changing on the inside of me. But it was his obedience that opened up the opportunity for transformation to come to him. So don't wait for the emotions to catch up. You got to do it because it's the right thing to do. You got to do it because he died so that we could have the power to do the right thing. Before Christ, we can't even choose the right thing. 
If we choose, the, like a blind squirrel finds a nut, right? Like we get it right sometimes, but even when we get it right, right when we're before Jesus, we're still doing it out of selfish ambition, right? Like, yeah, I'm going to help them and maybe I'll get an award. Instead of, yeah, I'm going to help them because Christ has changed me and he's given me the greatest reward. The next question is, are you prepared to endure? Scripture doesn't promise an easy life, an easy walk. God only promises that he'll be with us in the midst of it. He'll sustain us and give us life. That's one of the the beautiful parts about being a part of of a family of a spiritual family is that you've got people who can come and walk with you and rally to you and support you. And where your family doesn't have the resources, they know people who have the resources to be able to stand with you and walk with you and encourage you. But storm is inevitable. It's going to come. And to say yes to Christ because it's going to be comfortable would be a misunderstanding of what it means to walk with him. We're in fact invited to share in the sufferings of Christ. Storms come and sometimes they're subtle and sometimes they're absolutely devastating. Sometimes the small storm is surprisingly devastating and the big storm is surprisingly insignificant. The thing that you thought was going to destroy you doesn't. The thing you thought you could get away with or you thought wasn't really a thing cuts you deeply. Are you ready? Are you willing to endure with Christ? To say, I'll take the blessing and the the goosebumps. I'll take the revelation and the encouragement I'll take that greeter that's so friendly to me on Sunday morning. But I'll also take that other person. I'll also say yes to pain. I'll also follow you through difficulty and through through troubles. Are Are we willing to do that? I I know people now who are getting picked up by the police to be questioned for their faith. They're like people in my life that that I love who are being picked up in other nations because of their faith in Christ and their refusal to preach a partial gospel. Are we willing to do that? I already said this, but we're all constructing something. And the foundation is absolutely necessary to build a strong house. There are the physics of, you know, you need to go down so far so that you can go up however far. And to bear certain kinds of weight the foundation needs to be so far deep. I worked in construction for a short period of time and uh, 
they, they test the concrete even. I don't know if you know this, but they test the concrete because there's different strength of concrete, right? And different concrete breaks at different, at different levels. And so it can, it can hold a certain amount of weight and then you reinforce it. And so it can hold more weight and everything else. But, but it's something that's tested, you know? And it's like the architects will say, the engineers will say, hey, you need to put this kind of concrete. It needs to be tested to this specification in order to, to build this bridge or in order to build this office and to have this, to have this patio, whatever it is, it, it's, it's going to be very specific. And, and God is calling us to have a strong foundation that is tested. And he's saying, I'm tested. Make me your foundation. I was tested with death and I rose from the dead. What else is there? This is a foundation that goes from the beginning of time that we understand. It's hard for us to even fathom something before the beginning, but God spoke and created a beginning. Kind of cool. This foundation goes all the way before the beginning and all the way until after the end. That's the foundation that we're being invited to build on. We're being invited to build our lives on. We're building, we're being invited to build our family on. We're being invited to build our careers on. We're being invited to build our mission on. That's what we're being invited into. What's startling to me in all of this is that it's a choice that remains. That we can build on sand. And risk being wiped away. Maybe not today. But when the storm comes, the thing that you're building will be destroyed. Or we can stand on the rock. Though the winds come and the storm blows. How does it say it? And when the rain fell and the floods come and the winds blow and beat on the house of your life, it does not fall because it has been founded on the rock. As we build this way as individuals, and we come together as a family, it builds something of safety and security for the community to come to when the storms come. Because now there's a house that they can go to that's built on the rock when their house that's on the sand crumbles. We have a place to gather, a place to meet, a place to celebrate, a place to worship, a place to hear and obey together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your enduring word. I thank you for your insistence on bringing this message that you condescended so far to become a baby and live a human life, fully God and fully man, to make certain that we could hear your message and see your message demonstrated shown through the life of a man you were so insistent on bringing us this message that you even died and rose from the dead to demonstrate 
the enduring nature of your life, the eternal nature of your person. If there's anybody here today and you're realizing, man, I'm on the sand. And you're, you're willing this morning to surrender your life to Jesus and replant your house on the rock. Can you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. See that hand? Bless God, if you raised your hand, you can pray with me. God, I recognize that I've been building on sand. Sand of my own plan. Sand of my own purpose. Sand of a destiny of my own making. And today I surrender and I choose God, to build on the rock of your word, to build on the rock of your love, to build on the rock of the person of Jesus Christ. I turn from the things that I know to be sin. And thank you that you you have rescued me already from the consequences of that sin. I thank you and I receive your forgiveness and the gift of life that starts now in this moment and continues for my life in Jesus' name.